Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the grace of God. We thank you for your grace and mercy to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for salvation that we enjoy because we have confessed our sins, repented of our sins, and believed in you. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for the sweet fellowship we have together in singing praise to you. You alone are worthy of our praise, and we thank you for it. Lord, we thank you for these parents who stood uh, to dedicate their children today. May you bless them in a wonderful way, their families, their parents and grandparents and all the rest, and the families and these boys and girls as they grow up in these days. May may these parents uh, truly stand to teach them the truths of God's Word and to live like Jesus would live before them and teach them the truths that you have for them. Lord, we pray for the families of our church in these days as we talk about our responsibilities to our families. It's a good day to be together. We pray for those who cannot be with us who join us uh, virtually today. We pray that you'd bless them. We pray that you would heal them, that you'd encourage them, that they'd be back with us soon. And for many of our people who are traveling these days uh, during these school days of break, and we pray that you'd be with all of them. And we thank you this morning that we have the chance to be together in your word. What a blessing it is to us. Now, open our eyes and teach us from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, and it's good to see all of you. If you have your Bibles, if you'll find your place in Proverbs chapter 6, we continue to talk these days. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, and we're we're about to complete uh, these uh, talks together on this subject. And I remind you again that uh, there's a card out in the um, hallway that's on the tables, and it is uh, Caring for Your Child's Soul. Uh, Ten Life Truths to Teach Your Children. We've been working our way through these truths in the book of Proverbs. I would encourage all the parents and grandparents who are here today, it's always good you can take the book of Proverbs. Uh, It is such a wonderful book to use in talking with your children about the things of God and the ways of God and what God expects for us to do in our lives. Today we're going to be looking in Proverbs chapter number 6 at verses 16 through 19. Some very important verses for us as we finish these thoughts together. We've already talked about uh, teaching our children to fear the Lord. Today what we'll talk about will tie together about how do we teach our children to fear the Lord. Well, we also teach our children, you fear God when you know what God hates. You fear God when you know what God hates. So this will be a very important subject for us all today. Teach your children to resist the enticements of sin. That's chapter 1 of Proverbs uh, as we were looking at it. That we're not to be, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. So all of us in in this room are enticed by the world and by the pleasures of the world and the the various values and ideas and philosophies of the world. So we must work with our children, talk to our children, and as parents, live separated lives of holiness and resist the enticements of sin. Third, we teach our children to trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Most of you learned it. You parents, like I did, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. You'll make your paths straight, and we should teach our children to trust God. You trust the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you trust God all the days of your life. 
We must teach our children to treasure the Word of God. That's what we come here and do. We open God's Word in our Sunday school classes, our discipleship classes. We open God's Word here as we preach the Word of God in this church. We, we go home and we treasure God's Word and we teach our children to treasure God's Word, to read God's Word and to learn it. We, we teach our children to treat others fairly. What did the Lord Jesus say? The Lord Jesus said, treat others as you want to be treated. We teach our children to follow the path that leads to life. Proverbs chapter 4, we teach our children to guard their hearts. As we as parents guard our hearts, we watch what's in our hearts. We watch what we love. We watch what affects our mind. We watch our emotions and our desires because out of our heart we live. Out of our hearts we speak. We teach our children to avoid sexual sin, especially as we talked about a few weeks ago, the sin of adultery, uh, which violates and destroys marriages. Uh, there are many other sexual sins talked about in the Word of God, but in this particular place, we, we spend our time on the danger of adultery. And for all godly parents to commit themselves to their husband or wife for life and not be guilty of committing adultery. And then to celebrate marriage. Our boys and girls and our, and our grandchildren see how we live in our marriages, how we talk to each other, how we live together, and they learn that's the model. And so today we need godly families to live and celebrate marriage. And then we come to this very important section today about teaching our children to avoid what God hates. Let's read Proverbs chapter 6, beginning in verse 16. There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. Now, Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. May the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I, I want us to see that our focal truth today is this, that godly parents avoid the things God hates. A godly parents are those who are followers of Jesus. We've trusted Jesus Christ, so we have learned and we make it our, our desire, though we're not perfect in it, we avoid the things God hates. And we teach our children to avoid those things. We do it by example, but we also do it by teaching them places like this. So boys and girls, today we look at some very important words. We look at some words that sound a little bit strange. We don't always talk about what God hates or the hatred of God. But the hatred of God is very important for us to understand if we're to fear God, if we're to know who God is, if we're to understand what God approves of, and if we're to understand what God does not approve of. The what we understand from God's Word and what God approves of and doesn't approve of helps us know how to live and how to please God and the things that we should do to please God and the things we should do that do not please God and we should avoid them. I asked this morning to all of you who are here, do you know that God hates sin? When was the last time you considered this very important biblical truth? God hates sin. It is at the heart and very nature of a perfect and holy God to be separate from and to resist and hate sin. 
the acts of sin God hates. Are you today doing things that God hates? Are you living in such a way? Well, we have a list here of, of these seven. This is not at all, but we have the law of God, the Ten Commandments. And now we have this list that comes to us in Proverbs chapter 6. I'm just asking this morning, we come to, we come to church to evaluate our, our lives. So as I go through these things that God hates, I want you to ask yourself, like I've had to ask myself in preparation, am I living in ways that God hates? Well, these things are very important to us. And, I, and on top of that, for us to understand how God hates sin, think about in our own lives when we've committed great sin against God and others. After we come back from and we repent of that sin, you know, there always is left within us a real, um, and I think we can use the word hatred for that sin that we've committed. We hate that sin and what it's done to us in our relationship to God. We hate that sin because of what it's done to our relationships to other people, to our own soul, to our own spiritual life. So this matter of understanding God's hatred for sin, as I said at the beginning, helps us to understand how to fear God. This, this puts uh, some real life into it. So the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. So what should I fear? I should fear God and what He hates. If I know what God hates, I should avoid it. I should run from it. I should not practice it. And when I do, I'm doing things that are not pleasing to God and that He hates. So I have these observations for you this morning and we'll move through them quickly. I have a number of them. There was no way to reduce these. Down And so I want to speak to them briefly, and then we'll draw some conclusions and we'll be on our way. But we must spend some time now this morning, church, thinking about this very important subject. You see, as we think about God in His grace and holiness and mercy and love, there's no better way to appreciate the great grace of God than to understand the perfect holiness of God and the perfect hatred of God for sin. There's no better way to understand the glory of God's love. When we say, for God so loved the world, we, we say it understanding that God hates sin. God perfectly hates sin. We, we spent in this church many moons ago talking about how great is our God. And for weeks on weeks on end, I talked with you about what are sometimes called the attributes of God. I, I would prefer to call them the perfections of God. He's perfect in love. He's perfect in grace. He's perfect in power. He's perfect in being present everywhere. He's perfect in complete knowledge. He is perfect in all of His ways. There is no lack of perfection in God. God is perfect. Our God is perfect. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is perfect in all of His ways, and He is perfect in His being. As James said, there's no shadow of turning. There's no shadows. God casts no shadows. He is light. He is perfect. He is perfection. When we talk about God's hatred for sin, it is perfect hatred. It is divine hatred. It is holy hatred. And we must appreciate that about the holy emotions of God. So there are six things which the Lord hates, we read in verse 16. This Hebrew word for hates is a word that means to intensely dislike. So there are six things which the Lord intensely dislikes. 
And then we read on. Yes, seven things which are, and he uses a big word here for boys and girls, abomination. We read this word abomination in various places. And so the word abomination means disgust, a disgusting thing. What we have here is this, that there are six things that the Lord intensely dislikes, and there are seven things, if you add them all together, that the Lord is disgusted with. These ways, these ways of living, these sinful ways disgust God. And when they're seen in our lives, we know that He is disgusted with them. When they appear in our life, you see, all of us who are followers of Jesus, we don't live in perfection. We still have the old nature. And if we're not careful, we're guilty of going back and doing these very things again. God is disgusted with us when we go back to living in our old ways. And it's important for us to know that's when the Holy Spirit is grieved with us. That's when the Holy Spirit is, is quenched within us and there's no power in our life to live in holiness and to walk with God. When we've gone back to these disgusting, sinful ways that God dislikes. If I want to please God, if I want to serve God, if I want to follow Jesus Christ, I want to do things that please Him. I do not. I want to avoid every way and every word and every thought that brings disgust to God. You see, God in His holiness has perfect hatred for sin. God in His holiness has perfect love for sinners, yet He hates the sin within the sinner. This is a very important principle. God in His holiness has perfect love for sinners, yet He hates the sinfulness of sin within sinners. This is what's caused the need for the gospel to be preached and for Jesus Christ to die on the cross. God in His holy hatred for sin cannot look on sin, nor can He approve of sin in a sinner. Habakkuk 1.13 says, Your eyes, O Lord, are too pure to approve evil, and you cannot look on wickedness with favor. So what does it look like? Just quickly, I'll describe. What does it look like for God to have holy hatred, perfect hatred for sin? Well, He's disgusted with sin when it occurs. He separates Himself from sinners. His holy hatred, He's irreconcilable and alienated to sin and sinners. That's why there was a need for the cross. God's holy hatred is resistance to sinners. And God's holy hatred is present anger and coming judgment. This is what the church, and we must be careful to do it. We've not always balanced it as we should. I'll seek to do my best to do it in, in these days and days ahead. Oh, there's coming judgment. Why does coming judgment come? Why is it that the judgment of God will come? It is because of sin. It is because of God's holy hatred for sin. And in His present anger, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and all ungodliness of those who suppress the truth. Push it down, deny it, ignore the truth of God in this world. So today we have to confront this reality. Oh, we love to sing about the love of God. I, I present to you this. You will worship and glorify God greater for His grace and love when you understand this awesome truth about the hatred of God for sin. So we get to it for just a moment and look at these briefly. God hates pride. 
God hates pride. Haughty eyes. There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination. Boys and girls and parents here today, here's what I want you to do about these seven things we're going to talk about. Think about how devastating these things are in a family life. In family life. Think about why God would hate these things because let's just use what it will do in the family. And there are lots of examples in the Word of God of this. And there are lots of examples in modern day families about these sins when they're committed in a family. When there's pride in a family. When there's pride in a daddy. When there's pride in a father. When there's pride in a mother. When there's pride in... Our lives, when, when there's pride in children, haughty eyes. Boys and girls, that means lifting your eyes up. Looking up as if you're better is the idea. Haughty eyes. Proud eyes. You, you don't look at certain people because you're better than them. This is the idea of pride. You look down, as we use in English our phrase. You look down on people. You see, this is a statement of pride. It is interesting to see how people look at each other or don't look at each other. Proud people won't look at certain people because they despise them. Proud people don't look away because they don't want to be confronted with the reality of what they see in front of them. Haughty eyes, Proverbs 8.13 says, Pride, listen to this, Proverbs 8.13, Pride, arrogance, the evil way, and the perverted mouth I hate, says the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 30, we don't have time to do this in detail. You ought to make a note of it. In Proverbs 30, verses 11 through 14, the Word of God describes certain kinds of people in the world who are in sin. Certain ways that sinners live. I'll just quote them to you. Proverbs 30, 11. There is a kind of man. This means there is a kind of people. There is a kind of person who curses his father and does not bless his mother. All over the planet, there are people who do this. Some who go to church. And the family's been decimated by it. The children, there, there are those, Proverbs 30, 11, There's a kind of person who curses his father and does not bless his mother. The devastation of that on family life, that's why God hates it. There's a kind, uh, Proverbs 30, 12, there's a kind of person who is pure in his own eyes. Well, I don't do anything wrong. You ever heard that at home? Well, I didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't my fault. There's a kind of who, who is pure in his own eyes and yet not washed from his filth. Proverbs 30, 13. There's a kind of person, oh, how lofty are his eyes and his eyelids are raised in arrogance. Pride in the family. One, one child proud and proud of his or her achievements and looks at their brothers and sisters as if they're better than them. Treats them with, with, uh, in an inappropriate way. Proverbs 30 verse 14. There is a kind of person whose teeth are like swords and his jaw teeth like knives to devour the afflicted from the earth and the needy from among men. Oh, there's nothing sadder than hard devouring, destructive words in a family. You see, it all comes from pride. James 4, 6 is as famous as, as most of you in this room know it. You memorized it like I did. God resists the proud. He resists the proud saved sinner and He resists the proud wicked sinner. 
You see, when you're unwilling and you're to confess your sin as a believer, God resists you. You say, well, I don't know why He won't answer my prayers. It seems like I'm far from God. You must ask, are you living in pride? Secondly, God hates lies, a lying tongue. Notice it is in the present tense, a lying tongue. Lying is a way of life. If you lie, one lie leads to another lie. Boys and girls, you must tell the truth even if it hurts. You must tell the truth even if it hurts. Lying is layer upon layer until finally you fabricate such stories that you start to believe your own lies. You can lie to others so long that you deceive yourself and think you're telling the truth. Proverbs 12, 22, Lying lips are an abomination to God. What must I say to remind you in the book of Acts as the Holy Spirit of God was moving in the early chapters of Acts and people were being saved by the thousands. They came to church one day and they were bringing their gifts and they were giving their gifts and they were giving their offerings and they were presenting their goods and two came in and lied about what they were doing. They said they were giving all that they were giving of their lands to the Lord, but they lied and they weren't doing it and God killed them in church. Ananias and Sapphira. Lying. The Lord Jesus said about the devil, who is the champion of liars, what did the devil do to Adam and Eve? What God didn't really mean what He said about not eating that tree in the middle of the garden. He just, what He's saying is, is if you eat that tree, you're going to be as smart as God. You're going to be just like God. Lie, 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 lie. Lies of the devil. The Lord Jesus said, John 8, He was a murderer from the beginning. He's talking about the devil now. If you want to know about the devil, listen to the Lord Jesus. He knows all about the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning and he does not speak the truth because there is no truth in him, in the devil. Whoever he, whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Oh, we're, to, we're called as Christians to speak the truth in love. God hates pride, God hates lies, God hates murdering the innocent. Hands that shed innocent blood, the blood cries out from the millions upon millions of aborted children in this, on this planet that have been the, this heinous crime which God sees. God hates hands that shed innocent blood. But it goes beyond the catastrophe and the horrible sin of abortion the sadness is that people, people experience being destroyed in their innocence at home because one part of the family plans against another. What about Joseph and his brothers? Now Joseph didn't do well. He had that coat with, that his dad gave him and didn't give the other children and his dad showed partiality to Joseph and he had that nice colored coat. He showed it off and he bragged in front of his brothers and what did his brothers do? They took care of him. They plotted, as this verse says, they, they planned against innocent blood, but also in the next one, they devised their wicked plans. These go together. Someone in the family is doing something, so the rest of the family is going to get back at them. Some uncle or somebody, some grandfather or grandmother, whoever it might be, someone in the family has done something, and now there is an attack on innocence. In order for me not to feel as guilty, I want to bring other people in the family into my sin. 
Proverbs 1.11 describes the wicked that we're to avoid. The wicked say, come let us lie and wait for blood and let us ambush the innocent without a cause. That happens in families all the time. Ambushing the innocent. Your brother and sister didn't do it. You did it. But you don't want to be guilty by yourself, so you, make, you, you destroy them. You destroy their character. You destroy their reputation. And it is, in a sense, shedding their innocent blood. It is truly taking life. It is murder, but it's more than that. Psalm 10 says that the wicked man sits in lurking places of the village, and in the hiding places he kills the innocent. How much more can I describe the Lord Jesus Christ and the way He was treated, the just for the unjust. He died for our sins. He'd never done anything wrong. Wicked sinners shed the innocent blood of Jesus Christ. God hates minds that make evil plans. What did Judas do? We read in Mark chapter 14, verse 11, Judas began to seek how to betray Jesus at the opportune time. While, Ju while Judas was still doing ministry with Jesus and the disciples, he was making secret plans to betray Jesus Christ. In families, a husband who decides he's going to break his marriage by living in adultery makes secret plans with another person and destroys his family. A woman decides that she's going to make evil plans towards someone in her family because she does not appreciate what they've done. Brothers and sisters make evil plans toward each other because in the past they've been hurt in some way. Oh, these are devastating, devastating things to the family. Why would God hate such things? He hates pride, lying. He hates the shedding of innocent blood and hearts or minds that devise evil. God hates lifestyles that run after evil. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 16 says, Their feet run to evil. You see, this is the world. This is what happens in families. Families are confronted with the reality that some in the family want to live for God, and they run after holiness, and some in the family want to live for wickedness, and they run after evil. And because of that, there is division in the family because some cannot, some cannot see and live for God. Paul said in Romans chapter 3, verse 15, their feet are swift to shed blood. And also, as I read in Proverbs 1, their feet are quick to run to evil. It's waking up every day and thinking of how you can live in wickedness. Watching what other wicked people do and doing what those wicked people do. God hates lifestyles that run after evil and do not honor His truth, His word, and His way. God hates false witness against a neighbor. When you lie about your brothers and sisters, when you lie about your mother and father, when you lie about your uncles and aunts, when you lie about your grandparents, when you lie, when lies are set forth in a family, oh, the terrible tragedy that comes. When we bear false, when we stand up and tell a lie about another person in our family. Proverbs 19.5, a false witness will not go unpunished. Proverbs 12.17, a false witness speaks deceit. It's sad to read these words about the Lord Jesus. The chief priests and the whole council kept trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus. 
so they, put, so they might put him to death. They did not find any, even though many false witnesses came forward. All these who stood at those mock trials of our Lord Jesus Christ and stood and lied about the, Lord, the precious Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And God hates causing division among brethren. One who spreads strife among brethren. Are you the one in the family that causes your family to fight? Are you the one in your family who causes the family to fight? You're a strife spreader. And the Word of God has many things to say about it. Proverbs 6.14 says, A wicked man with perversity in his heart. In other words, when I call, spread strife, with perversity in his heart, he continually devises evil and spreads strife. There's perversion in me when I am one who likes to see our family fight. And it's such a sad thing because it's so prolific in our world among families. Not only families that do not know God, but families of the godly. Proverbs 16, 28, a perverse man spreads strife and a slanderer separates intimate friends. You see, God knows where sin will lead you. God knows where pride will lead you. God knows where lying will lead you. God knows what, how sad it is, what happens when you shed innocent blood. God knows what it is when you devise wicked plans against others and you run rapidly to evil. He knows that sin will take you farther than you want to go. He knows that it separates you from Him. He knows that it brings destruction in all the relationships of your life. This is why God hates sin. So what do we need to remember today? as we go from this place? Well, just a couple of things that I want to wind up again reminding you of and for us to apply in our lives. First of all, God's hatred of sin does truly produce fear of God. If I know that God does not approve of these things, then it helps me to know the fear of God. And the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge, and the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. See, here's what knowledge says. God doesn't want me to lie. God's wisdom is, I'm not going to lie and I'm going to practice telling the truth. This is important. You see, the hatred of sin that God has displays the glory of God, my dear friends, in a most magnificent way. I will never, as I said, understand the love and glory and grace of God. We sang about the grace of God today. The grace of God is, is, is so glorious to us when we consider the hatefulness and horribleness and the sinfulness of our sin. You see, God always judges what He hates. The judgment of God will come against sin. And what God hates is sin. Praise the Lord Jesus, He suffered for the things that God hates. And God patiently, oh, this is where we are today in this world. God resists and warns those who are doing hateful, horrible things to others and the things he hates, he warns them so that they might be saved. That's why we share the gospel. And salvation is God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Look, we're forgiven of the things that we've done that God hates. So as a family this, this afternoon, this morning, as we finish, I ask you this, parents. I ask it myself as a parent. I ask you as a parent. Am I doing things that God hates? Am I living in pride? Am I, am I, am I lying? Uh, am I devising and shedding innocent blood? Am I 
doing to others what they don't deserve? Am I living in a lifestyle that I'm leading, I'm going toward wickedness, not toward godliness? Am I, am I, lack, am I not telling the truth in my relationships, uh, in my family life? Am I causing division among the family? Am I the cause of separation and division? Well, we must think about it and repent of our sin. Rather than being the one who causes division in your family, maybe you should be the uniter of your family. Oh, Pastor Mike, it could never happen. Our family's too far separated. Nothing's impossible for God. Your family can be reunited by the grace of God and the love of God, but someone has to step forward and do that. Perhaps that's what God calls you to be. Not a divider, but a uniter. Do your children see in you parents? Do they see in you things that God hates? You see, when they see it, they learn it. When they learn it, they do it. This is how the sad pattern of godlessness is passed down from generation to generation. So we must all find our way back to say this, this morning what we must teach our children. It would be good for every parent in this room. Oh, by the way, this includes your adult kids to talk about these matters that God hates. Hey, today, why do you think it's important for us to tell the truth? Hey, today, why would pride be... What's the difference between being proud and confident? What's the diff, what You see, there are lots of things for us to talk about with our children and our grandchildren. And when we do, this opens their mind to the truth of God's Word to stand against the lies of the world. And this is our task and responsibility as godly parents. So we read today, there are six things which the Lord hates and seven which are an abomination to Him. Let me read the list one more time for our own meditation. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. And praise God today, the Lord Jesus took all this sin upon Himself so that we might be saved and be made the righteousness of God. Today, I call you, if you're not saved, to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, trust Him as Savior, repent of your sins. You can move out of being, out of God hating the sin in your life to loving what you do as you follow Jesus and pleasing Him. Oh, the joy of walking a life of pleasing God. And may it be true for all of you, not only in your personal lives, but in your family lives, if your parents today.